Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And in this episode, I'm going to explore a story that I first came across when I was doing research on Reese Cemetery over in Springfield, Michigan. And it is the story of Andrew Reese, otherwise regarded in his time as a public spirited citizen. And he was quite the character in the early days of Battle Creek and also quite beloved. So I thought I would share this story as it's kind of a fun one and an interesting one for insight into the time period, including the people and the politics. And Andrew Reese's story is sort of a crossroads for a lot of the other people that I have profiled on Tales of Southwest Michigan's past in prior episodes. So come along with me and I'll tell you all about it. So Reese Cemetery, which is spelled R-E-E-S-E, is located on the corner of Dickman Road and Helmer Road in Springfield, Michigan. It's right across from the Kellogg Airport. And it's an older cemetery in the area with burial dates that go back to the mid to late 1800s. Now, the cemetery was named after the Reese family, of whom many are buried there. But the interesting thing about the family name of Reese is it has two different spellings. There is the R-E-E-S-E as the cemetery bears on its name, but there's also R-E-E-S without the E on the end. The name, originally Reese, comes from a Welsh origin, which by definition means enthusiastic or ardent. And it is the anglicized form of Reese, which is spelled R-H-Y-S, which I guess you would say that is Reese or Rice. Anyways, R-H-Y-S was the name of the last ruler of an independent kingdom of Wales. His name was Reese Ap Tudor, who died in the year 1093, and he died unsuccessfully opposing the Norman advance, and this is according to Ancestry.com. In North German and Dutch, the name Reese, R-E-E-S-E, is a nickname for a very big man, and that comes from Middle to Low German and also Middle Dutch. Reese, R-E-S-E, meaning giant. In Germany, the name takes on the spelling of both R-E-E-S and R-E-E-S-E in areas of Rhineland and Lower Saxony. So in essence, both names appear in the cemetery, Reese Cemetery, and you'll find people in that cemetery, if you walk around, you'll see headstones for members of the Reese family, and you'll see both spellings on the various headstones. And it's because they're all essentially from the same family. They just have different spellings of the name, and they're all kind of buried in the same section. If you walk around, it's kind of uncanny. You'll see both spellings and go, wow, this is kind of uh, odd or seemingly coincidental, but that's the case. That's because they were all essentially the same family, even with the different spelling of the last name. So all of that is just a preamble to open the story of one man, from the Reese family, who spelled his name R-E-E-S. And this is the man I'm going to feature, and his name was Andrew Reese. And once again, he spelled it without the E on the end. 
He was born in West Stockbridge, Massachusetts on February 4, 1790. At an early age, he moved from Massachusetts to Broome County, New York. And then in 1835, he came to Michigan, bringing with him a wife and nine children. And they settled on a farm in an area west of the village of Battle Creek, where he lived for 40 years. And my estimation, and I didn't really look this on the plat maps because they don't have them going back that far, is that it was somewhere in the Springfield area as we know it today because he's buried in Reese Cemetery. And that was probably in proximity to where he lived. So he was considered by all who knew him to be a farmer of thrift and one of also of industry. And He was also a very patriotic man and a public-spirited citizen, as they commonly described. Now, when you study a lot of these old biographies on people, you see the name public-spirited citizen that will come up a lot, particularly regarding men who are active in their community, in politics, and the ones that were more enthusiastic than others. So it's a common description to a degree But in the case of Andrew Reese, it did seem quite fitting. He possessed strong religious convictions as well, and he would take his family to worship every Sunday, regardless of weather, on his team of oxen. So he would take the family, load them up in a wagon, and take those oxen into town. In later years, he came into possession of carriages, and he switched to carriages and horses. But in the early years... Around the 1835 to 1840s, he was using his oxen to go to town. Now, from a political perspective, he was a Whig of the Whigs, and he supported the measures of that party with enthusiasm. Now, in those days, there were two political parties. There was the Whigs, and there were the Democrats. The Democrats were essentially in favor of the one-vote, one-person philosophy of democracy, and they were founded by Andrew Jackson, largely the the modern Democrat Party uh, during those days. And the Whigs were more of a um, government-type, wanting to have more of a federal-type government um, based on what I was able to see in the early descriptions. And I'm still studying the early philosophy of the Whigs, but some of the early prominent Whigs that you'll find when you study American history, probably the most well-known was Henry Clay. He ran for president four different times and was not successful in any of his attempts at becoming president, but he was quite a figure in Congress and served a long time in Congress. And in a lot of respects, Henry Clay is largely also why the Whig Party kind of collapsed unto itself too, but that's probably more to get into than a later episode. I've kind of covered that before in some of my uh, other podcasts. So from political perspective, Andrew Reese was a Whig, and he was a Whig of Whigs, so he was a very enthusiastic Whig member of this party. And when the Republican Party was later organized, he had already established his views opposing slavery and had an active sympathy for the rights of man. So he became a warm supporter and a member of the new party within its ranks. So when the Whig Party started to dissolve, this was in the late 1850s, they merged with the abolitionist 
philosophy. So the remnants of the Whig Party merged with the rising and growing abolitionist arm of, it was somewhat of a political party. It was a movement unto itself. There was a big anti-slavery movement, and it was getting compounded with a lot of issues, everything from the Adam Crosswhite case that happened over in Marshall to several other uh, cases that happened along the way regarding slavery. The Kentucky Slave Raid over in Cass County probably had an influence on it. Probably not so much as Adam Crosswhite's affair did, but um, all of that kind of starts the wheels in motion for a growing abolitionist movement. And when a new party was begun to be organized, some of the people in Battle Creek played a big role in that. And that was Erastus Hussey, who had been a station master on the Underground Railroad, as well as Walter Woolno, who was the editor and publisher of the first newspaper in town. And they got connected with other members of similar interests from the old Whig Party and the new Abolitionist Party with the Quaker element, and they formed the Republican Party. So when that eventually happened, Andrew Reese became a active, enthusiastic supporter of the Republican Party. But in 1875, an extensive article was written by pioneer historian A.D.P. Van Buren. And if you've listened to a lot of my earlier episodes, I mentioned ADP Van Buren quite a bit early on in my in season one here. Um, his full name was Anson de Puy Van Buren, and he was known locally as ADP Van Buren. And he was a pioneer that moved here with his parents. His father was a cousin to Martin Van Buren, who became president of the United States. And that's going to play an interesting part in the story of Andrew Reese here in a few minutes, and I'll get into that in a moment. But ADP was a very um, educated young man, and he became a prominent historian that recorded the stories of a lot of the early pioneers. And much of what we know about Andrew Reese is one example. It came from the writings of ADP Van Buren, as well as some of the other pioneers. He wrote in the Michigan Pioneer Collections, which was a movement to organize the early pioneer histories in the late 1870s in the state of Michigan, so that these people would not be forgotten in the annals of history. So historians and writers were gathered together to write the Michigan Pioneer Collections. And they're a pretty extensive set of um, records. You can find some copies at the Willard Library. There's also some online at the Michigan Archives that you can access. I've downloaded a few copies. I understand there's several volumes, and they are loaded with stories from every county in the state. And so ADP Van Buren wrote a tremendous amount about Calhoun County and Kalamazoo County. And he's actually buried over in Kalamazoo County in the Galesburg area. So he wrote about Andrew Reese, and it would later also be included in the Pioneer Collections. And he knew the man personally, and he called him Uncle Reese. Van Buren described Andrew Reese as, One thinks of an energetic pioneer in the busy scenes of 1836 in Calhoun County, of an incorrigible old Whig, a staunch universalist, and a cheery neighbor and townsman, of a snug and thrift farmer who had reared a large family of boys and girls who had done much toward the improvement of the township of Battle Creek. 
And that was how ADP Van Buren described Andrew Reese. He also went on to describe his farm as having a neat row of log houses, and the land was fenced off into lots to raise wheat. He also said that Andrew Reese had the prettiest fences in the country, describing the rails being 10 feet long and the corners were true and even. And these fences gained the admiration of a lot of pioneers and settlers, and many settlers going to Battle Creek would hear about the fences at Andrew Reese's farm and would go out of their way to drive by and see Uncle Reese's fine fences. Now, Uncle Reese also planted fruit trees much earlier than many of his neighbors, and he had fruit on them long before many other farms did in the area. So his arrival in Battle Creek in those early years, he was not just a pioneer, but he was a forward-thinking individual who could think with, hey, I need to plant fruit trees now because they take a lot longer to grow than other crops. And so he planted a lot more fruit trees very early on. And as a result, his farm was producing a lot more fruit than a lot of the pioneers of his time period. And I'm going to read an incident that he described that happened with Andrew Reese. And in the reasoning for the following example of the incident concerning Andrew Reese, ADP Van Buren put it this way, to give a leaf of the life during the palmy days of the old Whig party. So he described this story as just to give you an example of what it was like in the early days of the old Whig party here in Battle Creek. And it certainly has an interesting insight. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you the story here. So in the spring of 1841, the Whigs of Battle Creek, for the first time, carried the vote in the town, electing Dr. Orlando Moffat as supervisor. This was a great victory for the Whigs, over their time-honored foes, the Democrats. And they celebrated it with all the pomp and circumstance, a parade with a grand jubilee at the old American Hotel in the village, which was owned by John Rogers. Now, the old American Hotel was also one of the early hotels in the village of Battle Creek. And the location of that would have been approximately where across the street from where the old post office is, if I remember correctly on the maps, more like diagonally across the street in the middle of the block, if you're familiar with downtown Battle Creek. And at this meeting, Andrew Reese was made chairman, and he presided over the happiest spirits of this glorious occasion. After the opening formalities at the Old American Hotel, speeches were made, refreshments were partaken of, and a man introduced himself as Uncle Stark, whose real name was Leonard Starkweather. If you've listened to my podcast, I described Leonard Starkweather in an episode not too long ago, about a few weeks ago, and he was the owner and he built the first framed hotel in Battle Creek, which was known as the Battle Creek House. And at this time, this was 1841, Leonard Starkweather was an active member of the community and he came over to the Old American Hotel to celebrate this victory of the Whig Party that evening. Leonard Starkweather would go on in 1857 to murder his wife, which is a terrible story. But anyways, so Leonard Starkweather was there and he was introduced and he stepped forward with a toast 
exclaiming, here are the instruments we beat our enemies with. And he was holding a bottle of champagne in each hand. And Uncle Reese responded, the chair is also of the same opinion. Three cheers for that toast. And of course, much drinking followed that. So there were also many Democrats present at this party, including Sands McCamley, who, if you've listened to some of my earlier podcasts, he was the founder of the village of Battle Creek, building the first mill race through town. So Sands was an old hickory Democrat, and he was also the local judge in the town. And he was, like I mentioned, the one who built the mill race and founded a lot of the early industry, establishing the milling industry in the community. And he was part responsible for the original platting of the village of Battle Creek. So he was a significant individual. And here's Uncle Reese, you know, carrying on as a, an excited wig over their very first victory in an election. Andrew Reese called upon Judge McCamley following Uncle Stark's toast who Sands McCamley responded with a toast of his own, saying, The Whigs and the Democrats, may they prosper in all their laudable undertakings. So quickly, Uncle Reese, hearing this, jumped up, swinging his hat, and cried out, Three cheers for the laudable undertakings of the Democrats. To which this was too much for the crowd, and everyone burst into laughter and applause. So I love looking at this story and reading it because it gives a sense of the enthusiasm and the spirit of the period, but also the mutual respect that both sides of the opposing electoral base felt for each other. There wasn't this bitter animosity. It was a general teasing at best of each other a little bit, but it was also mutual respect for each other. And I think that is important in this story. So there was also a Dr. Edward Cox. If you've watched any of my videos, you may have seen me mention in some of my Oak Hill videos, his wife was the first person buried at Oak Hill Cemetery. And Dr. Cox was one of the early pioneer doctors in the village of Battle Creek during this time. And so Dr. Edward Cox, the town doctor, was one of the ones who later recounted the recollections of this evening. And there were many toasts on the evening and a lot more champagne. But one can get the idea from this memoir of the events that the political climate, although spirited, opposing parties were very much cordial in that time. And I think that's a great lesson from the past, the cordiality of how people got along and how the uh, they had mutual respect for each other. Now, Uncle Reese used to say of the eighth president of the United States, Mr. Martin Van Buren, who himself was a Jacksonian Democrat, that Mr. Martin Van Buren's political career was like a squirrel going up a tree. You raised your gun to shoot, but the squirrel dodged around and up the other side of the tree. You went around to the other side, and it did the same thing, going up every move until he was out of harm's way. So it was with Martin Van Buren. We tried to head him off, but he kept dodging out of our way up into office until he reached the presidential chair. And that was how he described Martin Van Buren, which I found very interesting because, as I mentioned before, ADP Van Buren 
included this anecdote in his historical description of Andrew Reese and this period, and he was a second cousin to the president, or the former president at that time. So Andrew Reese passed away peacefully in his bed on September 2nd, 1875, following a period of poor health. And he died at the age of 83. And he was highly regarded by those who knew him as a respected citizen and a venerated member of the community. So his story was kind of a fun one. I enjoy looking at some of those spirited people from that period of history in the community because it does tell a lot about how things were built. And I think we as a society could learn a lot from looking back at history and stories like this because when there's genuine respect for the other opposing party or your own someone who has an opposite political belief than your own regardless of what it is and i'm not saying either side of the political spectrum here but if there is a genuine respect for each other and a cordiality and a willingness to laugh and toast each other and have a little bit of humor now and then i think things would go a lot easier and it certainly did for the early growing years of communities like battle creek as well as many other communities across michigan these people were pioneers they faced harsh conditions they built villages and cities out of the wilderness. They needed each other to survive. And when they got along, they made it as a community. And when they didn't, the communities collapsed. And you can see the historical record of that all across the boards. And the cities that are still here were built on the backs of people that put labor in industry and community and family and dedication to building something together above all else. And I think that is uh, one of the lessons from looking back at the story of Andrew Rees as told by pioneer historian ADP Van Buren. And it's one of my genuinely favorite stories to recount. And um, I wanted to share it here because it's, it's kind of a neat story to look back at and read. And it's really only a short excerpt of the many stories that you'll find within the contents of the pioneer collections. But it's one that uh, kind of hits home because I live in the community of Battle Creek and I've been to Andrew Reese's grave and I've been to the graves of a lot of the people mentioned in this story. And it's neat to connect all of these people together. I mean, Sands McCamley's buried at Oak Hill Cemetery. Dr. Cox is over at Oak Hill Cemetery. ADP Van Buren, I have not visited his grave. He's over in Galesburg. And Andrew Reese is buried at Reese Cemetery. And I could go on and on. There's other people mentioned here. Uh, Leonard Starkweather is out at Oak Hill Cemetery. And some of the other stories that are connected with this whole um, dynamic of the early pioneer history of this community. So, I just love uh, kind of looking back at this, looking at these stories and saying, you know, they had the right idea about how you dealt with this sort of thing. And, and, and I would say that in modern times, we have strayed a lot from that early genuine mutual respect from each other. But I welcome your your thoughts on that. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'd love to hear your opinion about um, how this relates to today or that sort of thing and uh, what you thought of this story. And I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And that's going to conclude today's episode. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and explore yet another fascinating tale from Southwest Michigan's past. Thanks for listening.